Oop, train. Where one of the five trains that come through in the year has apparently decided to come through right now. Well, welcome to my world. <laughs> it was in time to the train, too. It totally whistled after I made the noise. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to Book Retorts. I'm Danielle. I'm Sam. And this is the podcast where one of us explains a weird piece of media to the other who has no experience or knowledge of it. Yes, you are the master, I am the apprentice. Yes, today that is true. <laughs> and I, I believe that you may not have any experience or knowledge of this uh, media piece. <laughs> That is generally our premise, and I'm excited well, to find out what you're you talking about. sometimes you know about the thing. You've well, heard, like, I heard about Highlander. <laughs> sure, Danielle, but hearing about Highlander is not the same as experience, Highlander. Yeah, that's 100% true. But this particular thing that we're doing today is a book, so back to our roots, book retorts. <laughs> <laughs> roots. And this is actually a 1976 pulp fiction book called Night of the Crabs by Guy N. Smith. That is a title. <laughs> it's a title. And I have so much great history about this, and it has so many good lines. I think you're really going to like it, Sam. Okay. I I mean, I already love the title, so <laughs> we're going to only go up from here. And I have a couple little tidbits. So the caption on the book cover says, death was emerging from the sullen sea. <laughs> tagline that is that's grim <laughs> it is and then a little uh, tidbit on the author guy n smith i don't know if that's his real name i probably should have looked at the biography more closely i really hope it is <laughs> i hope it is too and he is best known for wait, his wait, pulp- Danielle, what does the n stand for i don't know would you like me to wikipedia this and check no, it out no just make it up then uh norman got it guy norman smith <laughs> done <laughs> it just seems like a very generic name i like it all right <laughs> So he's best known for his Pulp Fiction-style horror, though he also wrote nonfiction, softcore pornography, and nope. children's literature. I hope they never got those mixed up. <laughs> Just, I laughed a lot when I read that line. It's a good line. It's so good. Never feels so, so good on him. And he actually, um, he passed away last year, it looked like. Uh, so he's he wrote for many, many, many years. Well, would that we could all be so dedicated to our craft. Absolutely. And he wrote quite a few books. I am going to send you the summary here so you can read that. Oh, boy. I'm very excited to see what the Night of the Crabs entails. And if it isn't melted butter, then I'm less <laughs> interested. I feel like it's uh, going to be a disappointment to you that there is no crab eating in this, <laughs> really. How can you have a book about crabs? Oh, all right. Well, look, I'm going with open mind. I can do this. Okay. So what you have se- <laughs> what you have sent me says, the Welsh coast basks in summer tranquility. Then the drownings begin, but not until the monstrous crustaceans crawl ashore, their pincers poised for destruction, does the world understand the threat faces. A seafood cocktail for the strongest stomachs. <laughs> oh, Amazon. <laughs> Wait a minute. I, I, gotta, I gotta clarify that last line. Are they saying it's a seafood cocktail for the strongest stomachs because it's like spoiled and otherwise you're gonna vomit? I don't know. I didn't understand the line, to be honest. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Or is it like <laughs> it's great. the seafood cocktail, like this literal 
collection of seafood crawling out of the ocean will turn your stomach with fright. I think it's the latter. I think it's that one. All right. Well, I just want to make sure we clarified that because, again, no <laughs> clarified butter, so we have to clarify the text. Ah, uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> also, Welsh. <laughs> Tell me you're going to have to just pronounce some Welsh for me. Uh, I didn't write down many of the Welsh places because no. (laughs) (laughs) Darn. All right. This book opens. It's a character, Ian Wright. He's early 20s, handsome. Wright with a W or an R? W. Of course. (laughs) And he's staring out at the beautiful Welsh harbor. They're on a little inlet area. And he's on a weekend trip with his girlfriend, Julie. They're on like a lover's retreat from work. That's the first place I think I want to visit is the Welsh countryside. Yeah, well... Apparently, it's quite beautiful, and there's uh, yeah. an island that they would love to go visit before their trip's up. They have one more day there. It's called Shell Island. Oh, that's a uh, foreshadow. <laughs> uh, they work at a laboratory. They have to return on Monday morning, and they work there with his uncle, his, whose name is Clifford. Cliff. Danielle, I'm having armless starfish flashbacks. It's not that bad, I promise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it's bad, but in a completely different way. (laughs) It has crabs, not starfish, Sam. Oh, I'm sorry. Completely different. And I don't think they have regeneration powers, but who knows? They work in a lab. (laughs) Does that ever get into like what they do is just like, ah, they work in a lab. Don't worry about it. No, you're going to like this too, because the job changes periodically throughout (laughs) the book. (laughs) Oh, great. That's amazing. So it's noted that Uncle Cliff is one of the country's leading botanists. He's not yet 40, but he's handsome and, you know, relatively well known in his field. And the next day they decide they're going to go to Shell Island before they return back to work. Sure. So that's go uh, beautiful. It's blue outside. And they go on down, drive into the area. And it's a, it's a pretty popular beach line. There's like camping going on and lots of tourists. And there is also nearby that an army station, an army base. Oh, I know. I don't it's know why, but that's foreshadowing like- <laughs> Chekhov's army base. It's kind of like a secret army base in that it's obvious that there is one. <laughs> uh, it has barbed wire all around it. You are not allowed anywhere near the premises. And it has auto- like automatic planes on it. It's pilotless aircraft base. So they do. It's kind of like early it's drones of 1970. Okay. <laughs> so it's like an Air Force base where they test, I guess not pilot, but test non-pilot these remote control planes. Yeah, I guess so. I don't, they never explain exactly what they're doing there. It's just top secret facility that happens to be, for whatever bizarre reason, along this tourist beach. Well, when I think about where I want to put my top secret military facility, I think, where are all the people going to be? That's where we should put it. Because it'll make the it's commute like, so much easier. It's Edgar Allan Poe, like, hiding the letter with the letters. Yes, <laughs> hiding in plain like, sight. It's top secret because it's so obvious. So... Sorry, my notes are kind of funny. (laughs) Well, I hope the episode is too then. No, some of my notes were um, auto-dictated because I was having a hard time typing. And so uh, (laughs) the dog interrupted at one point and it's like, no, 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 no. Oh, (laughs) stop. (laughs) I sincerely hope you post a screenshot of that to our Twitter. It's pretty funny. (laughs) What happens when your dog barged during your (laughs) auto-dictation setting? That's why one of the many reasons I stopped auto dictating, but I got like I don't know a quarter of it done that way. <laughs> Lovely. I know. I'll, I'll work on it. I'll get really good at it in the next two months. No, don't. I don't care if you get better at it, as long as it's funny. <laughs> so they decide to go swimming. They're out on the beach line, and it's 
kind of a shallow area in that your toes can touch, but it does go out quite a ways. And Julie heads off first and she is swimming way ahead of him. He kind of drops behind her and he's, he's trying to catch up and he's getting kind of annoyed that she's swimming so far out. And Julie, she's in her bikini and he's like super into her. <laughs> There's a lot of like blatant sexism in this book. <laughs> well, I, I guess it is the 70s and it's a pulp book. Exactly. And so he catches, finally catches a glimpse of her and, and tries to catch up. And then suddenly she lets out a huge scream and disappears. Oh, this is that like moment from Jaws where the bikini girl gets eaten by a shark. A hundred percent. Yes. It's very Jaws-like. This came up first and before Jaws? Or, uh, 1976, when did Jaws come out? I don't know. I only know when I'm Jaws' sure. Revenge came out. <laughs> yeah, it came out around that time, I think. Wasn't it a 70s movie? Oh, we, well, maybe Spielberg owes this guy some royalties. <laughs> and so he thinks that she has a cramp. And he's swimming towards her, trying to catch her. And he's kind of freaking out a little bit because he can't find her anywhere. And it's the ocean. You know, like, where do you look for somebody if they're under the water? Probably and, under the water. Well, yeah, he's trying to find her. <laughs> and there's like, there's pretty high waves cresting at this point, And he looks out and he kind of sees a ripple in one of the waves. And he, he's like, oh, she's just you know messing with me. She's going to like pop out of the wave. And so as he's swimming towards it to go get her, he suddenly gets pulled under the water. If both these people die in the first few pages of this book, that would be a heck of an opening. Well, you're in luck, Sam. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> he says he feels like it's a pair of garden shears, serrated blades cutting deeper into his bone, and he loses his leg, and there's a blood all over the water, you know, like turning it red. And he knew whatever was attacking him for, certainly must have attacked Julie, and he loses consciousness and drifts under the water. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ian and Julie, we hardly knew you. What literally? Was it 10 pages? <laughs> yeah, give or take. <laughs> but meanwhile, back at the laboratory, Cliff Davenport, our plucky hero. So he's the real hero. Those guys were fake heroes. <laughs> Plot twist. Misdirect heroes. Because you have to have the handsome, youngish scientist be the hero. Yeah, the youngish. Hey, he's, uh... hey, we're all trying here, Danielle. I am the hero. <laughs> Uh, he's thinking about his nephew. His nephew's due back at, at work, so he's kind of like waiting on them. They're not there. And he's getting a little concerned, but you know, he's like, oh, they're out for their lover's weekend. Like, they probably just got caught up in the moment. They'll be, they'll be in by lunch. And then, they of course, lunch passes. They certainly weren't eaten by giant crabs. <laughs> they certainly were not. <laughs> That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> they don't show up for lunch. And then, about three o'clock, he's getting like, really worried about it and a policeman shows up at the door and it's a sergeant who says they found the car for julie and ian and they can't find the two of them it's just the abandoned car and there's an ongoing search happening have they tried looking under the water well i think they're doing a search and rescue so <laughs> yes well I, i'm out of ideas <laughs> you'll soon realize sam that whatever is beneath the water doesn't leave bodies behind <laughs> Ooh, what happens in the ocean depth stays in the ocean stay, depths stay. So even though it's supposedly they're just missing, Cliff just has one of those sixth sense moments where he's convinced he's never going to see them again. He does spend three days kind of waiting out to see if he's going to hear back. But once he doesn't hear anything again from the sergeant, he ends up deciding to drive into the island area to an inn where he stayed frequently to see if he can figure out what's going on on his own. Now, Danielle. Mm-hmm. I'm no police sergeant in Wales, but... <laughs> yeah, really. Of all the things, you're not. <laughs> Let's just be clear about this. 
But waiting three days, t- telling someone, oh, yeah, your nephew's missing and his girlfriend are missing. Uh, bye. And then just disappearing for like ghosting that person for three days. I know, rough, right? That doesn't seem like proper procedure. Like you at least have to know, hey, nothing yet. Or if you're Cliff, maybe checking with the police before you go gallivanting off trying to find them yourself. I feel like I would have gone and helped with search and rescue in some way. Sure. I mean, that too. Like, but like there. I'm just saying there are steps between waiting to hear back and going full on vigilante. Absolutely. But somewhere in there, if they contacted him, I don't recall that in the book. <laughs> okay. I think it's it's like this book moves along at a pretty quick pace. I think he just decided, yep, in three days, I'm t- I'm tired of waiting. I'm going to go see what's happened. Well, I can figure this out better than the police. Of course he can, because he's Cliff. Does he have a last name? <laughs> I already Cliff. forgot. <laughs> Cliff? That's a great question, Sam. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll find Cliff out. Cliff Davenport. Davenport. I'm sure you said that and I totally forgot. <laughs> I did say that, and I did, but instantly also forgot it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the name Davenport, like that's a very Welsh name, but also doesn't really... <laughs> Say anything? Like, it's so nonspecific. Yeah, they do occasionally call him Dr. Davenport in the story, but mostly Cliff, so that's kind of what I went with. I feel like if it were today, he'd be Dr. D. Yeah, that's true. All the cool kids. His yeah. nephew definitely would have called him that at work. Yeah, what's up, Dr. D? His dead nephew. <laughs> oh, I'm a ghost now. Ooh, I've seen my crabs. Come find my body. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we're, we're, uh... So he- we're in good form today. We're less comprehensible than usual. <laughs> he ends up staying at an inn, like I said, where he stayed before. He knows the uh, proprietor of it. He ends up in a little attic space. It's the only room left. And he's asking her about if he's if he, she's heard anything about the the swimmers. And he's she's like, well, it's not the first death we've had. And, you know, it's probably just poor swimmers. She doesn't realize that they're related. And he finally explains, well, that's my nephew and the girlfriend. They're actually, you know, championship, like really strong swimmers. Oh, of course they were. But of course, the ocean is the same thing as a pool. <laughs> and so he's just convinced something else has happened. And he decides to go for a walk uh, later that day along the beachside. And he knows approximately like where they potentially were drowned like where they'd been swimming. So he's walking out there. And as the tide kind of it's washed out, he sees these like markings across one of the sand hills. And he leans down to investigate. And he is startled by the idea that it looks like crab markings, but quote unquote, the size is beyond comprehension. Okay. Uh, Let's pause for a second here, Danielle. (laughs) Yes. I'm also not a botanist. (laughs) But do botanists generally know what crab markings look like? We're going to get into this in a little bit, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Okay. Um, I guess we'll wait till then to voice my objections. <laughs> Let's just say that maybe he's not a botanist. <laughs> because this book couldn't decide on what career path he apparently had. <laughs> he's a crustaceanologist. I don't know what that word actually is, but I'm sure it exists. <laughs> So, yes, he does recognize crab markings, and he decides that these crab markings are big enough that the crabs would have to be the size of sheep, at least, to make these markings. Wow. Beyond comprehension, size of a sheep. Yeah. He has no explanation for this. As you said, why would he know what a crab marking even looks like to begin with? And how would you be able to judge the size of said crab based on those crab markings? (laughs) I would just assume there was, like, a stick blown through the dunes or something. (laughs) Yeah, but apparently it's very specific markings and several people in this story seem to have knowledge of crab markings. I'm going to ask all of our followers to please, please, please tweet out all the pictures of crab markings you have to us at Book Retorts on Twitter because <laughs> I want to see what these crab markings are because I am real curious now. 
You can do that at Book Retorts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll, we'll collect them wherever you put them. We'll have a whole album of crab markings. <laughs> Whatever pictures you have on your phone or camera, feel free to send in with crab markings. <laughs> also, even if you send us something else, we don't know. We don't know what crab markings look like. You can fool us. We're not <laughs> that smart. <laughs> Deer hose? We wouldn't know. Yeah, like it's a, it's a thing in the sand. Clearly crab marking, so I believe it. <laughs> there you go. So he's frustrated because he did not bring a camera with him, which I feel like comes into play later because he never brings a camera with him anywhere he goes. But this is and a common problem. I think so he remembered once or twice. <laughs> so while he's out there, he sees one of the pilotless aircrafts from the army base kind of flying over one of the drones overhead. And he says a, a realization. He's like, maybe the planes made that marking somehow on the sand, like something more rational than giant sheep-sized sheep crabs. Crab. Yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, (laughs) on the other hand, Danielle, sheep-sized crabs, think about how many people that could feed. That'd be like a million dollars. Remember that tuna that sold in like China or Japan or something for like a million dollars, this giant freaking tuna? Yes. Imagine a crab that size. I know. It could be amazing. How tasty would that crab potentially be? Oh, probably not very. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. They'd have to be pretty old, I would assume. Maybe not. Maybe they grow at like rapid rates. Probably mutated in some way. I'm not sure you'd want to eat them. Oh, that makes even better. (laughs) All I'm just saying is, I think Cliff... Lost opportunity. Yeah, Cliff is here. He's thinking about this all wrong. Your nephew's gone. It's tragic. Move on to Cliff's Crab Shack. (laughs) Do, 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 do. Cliff's Crab Shack. And that's how it's done. (laughs) Sold. (laughs) He takes out his binoculars, Sam. <laughs> oh, not a ca- he doesn't have a camera. He has binoculars. He does. And he kind of creeps towards the compound so you can get a better look at the uh, plane, the landing gear on the plane. So he's spying on the aircraft. I'm sure the army base is like, oh, they've got binoculars watching us. That's fine. Our top secret That's facility. That's because, yes, in about 30 seconds, he is caught. <laughs> no, duh. I thought this guy was supposed to be smart. <laughs> He's disappointed because they have normal landing gear, so he rules them out, and a guard basically sneaks up on him and leads him at gunpoint into the facility. And then, for reasons unbeknownst to me, they lock him in a cell with absolutely no light, which seems dramatic. (laughs) I I guess. I I don't know what the laws on the fair treatment of prisoners were back then, but apparently light deprivation is a thing. Yeah, I guess that's where you put all people who are vaguely suspicious with their binoculars outside on a semi-public tourism beach. (laughs) Talk, or it will deprive you of vitamin D. (laughs) So he's eventually taken out of the room. He's led to an interrogator, and he explains who he is. He's like, I'm Cliff Davenport. I'm a botanist. I'm here about the two bathers that went missing. Uh, uh, Danielle, please. I'm a botanist and crab expert. Get it right. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't even mention the crab, Sam. Nobody would believe him anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> Those markings, I think they're giant sheep-like crabs. I believe and it. Did, did he tell them that? No, he tells them that he's just there because of the two bathers that went okay. missing. And they have no idea what he's talking about. Apparently, nobody in this room has ever picked up a news- local newspaper, which seems unlikely. They uh, live there. <laughs> all right. Incompetence. Got it. And he tells them he's just curious if the planes were used in the search, and that's why he was looking at them, and he just kind of dawdled because he was tired. I'm just an old man looking at planes. <laughs> I'm 38. <laughs> You've heard of train spotting? I'm plane spotting. But I'm both. 
So they want proof of identity from him, which apparently would you would think that would mean some kind of identification, like pull out your ID card. Sure. But like, I have a birthmark on my butt. Yeah, no, he decides that in order to be identified, he suggests talking to Sergeant Hughes, who's the guy that he originally contact was in contact with about the case. And then he just throws out a government person's name that he knows, named Sir Ronald Bradley of Whitehall. <laughs> So he's like, talk to Sergeant Hughes. He knows who I am. Also, I know somebody fancy. Yeah, and I'm not going to give you my ID. He like never, nobody asks for his ID. Like he could just be making up a name. <laughs> like, he just says knows. that name and they let him go. They don't actually try to like contact those people. They call the, They call him. They call uh, Sir Ronald Bradley of Whitehall, uh-huh. and it gets him off the hook. But they've never actually verified that the guy that's there is actually. How did they get the number for Sir Ro- R- Ronald Whitehall? I don't know. This Whitehall. is 1976, so perhaps he knew the number, or they right, just called right. information. So it, it, this, uh, I want to imagine this is what happened. He's sitting there in his cell, saying, "I totally know Sir Ronald Whitehall." I'm got the name wrong, probably, but Ronald Bradley. Actually, I just remembered is that the guy, the interrogator guy, knows the name. Oh. Okay. Okay. And so maybe he has access to a phone number. I just think because, like, if you're taking the phone number from the guy you're interrogating, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> that would be funny, though. If it's like, what's the phone number? Is this person this person? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, this person I referred to to totally can vouch for me. <laughs> no, apparently the government guy is like a fairly well-known government guy. Okay, sure. And so he gets off the hook. He leaves. And then he goes back to the crowded inn. It's dinner time. And he's seated with another visitor. They didn't have a free table. And her name is Pat Benson. Is she young and nubile and into older she professors? She is 100%. You called it, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> she's 25. She's hot. Her rotten husband left her last year. And, and he hasn't felt much like romance. Type. Older, mm-hmm. experienced, wise in the ways of crabs. <laughs> Yep, he's into her, she's into him. It's a match made in heaven, pretty immediately. Uh, Of course. Oh, Pulp Fiction, never change. (laughs) So they hit it off, and he finds himself kind of telling her about everything, sans the craps. He leaves those out of the conversation. I mean, but look, look, you got to disclose that on the first date. (laughs) I was waiting for that. I was like, at some point, there's going to (laughs) be... Oh, of course. I I think that was the right moment. It felt right. (laughs) It It felt right. So much to his surprise, after hearing about the missing kids, the 20-year-olds, she actually hesitantly tells him about seeing some crab markings along the coast. How does she know what crab markings look like? How does everyone in this world know like crab markings? Are are we the crazy ones here, Danielle? Are we the ones who are like out of the loop? There is actually a throwaway line in this book where she mentions something about her childhood having, you know done crabbing or something several times so she's familiar with the markings of crabs along the beach line so they i think the author was like why would somebody know what crabs this is insane daniel i'm just going to assume that every person in wales be they welsh or a visitor or whoever just innately knows what crabs look like something about the land of wales that imbues you with the knowledge of crab markings (laughs) that seems accurate because everybody seems to know in this book welsh listeners please write in and tell us about how you first realized you had the power of crab identification. (laughs) And she also believes them to be as big as sheep, because apparently she has that ability as well. (laughs) A lot of comparison of these crabs to animals, and it's one of my favorite parts of this book. If there's one thing I've learned doing this podcast, Danielle, it's that when you start to think about it, every smart person in every book or movie isn't actually smart. They just happen to guess the right thing every time. (laughs) 
Always, yeah. If you had that kind of guessing luck, you'd be golden the rest of your life. Oh, for sure. So he's pretty excited. He's like, oh my gosh, somebody else saw the crab markings. I'm not crazy. And you had the same thought that I did. Like, So he's like super into this. I meant to look up this next little fact because I don't know enough about crabs to know how they they work. Is this the Moby Dick of crab books? Maybe. Where it contains just (laughs) chapters and chapters about crab biology that are dubious. (laughs) No. It does mention a couple of crab facts, which we'll get crab into. Facts, and I, right. <laughs> I know, crab facts. And I really did mean to look it up because I was super curious if these were true. I will probably look them up after this podcast. <laughs> Today on Book Retort, welcome to Danielle's Crab Fact Corner. Crab Fact Corner. Woo! Crab Fact Corner, crack open a claw of crab facts. <laughs> We're good. This is good. I think this should be a running segment on our podcast soon. I mean, if you want to bring the crab facts in, I will always listen. <laughs> well, crab fact number one, according right. to Cliff Davenport. Drum roll. Supposedly, the full moon affects the movement of the crabs. <laughs> like the title, like the waves with the moon, it also affects the crabs. The gravity of the moon pulls on crabs as it does the ocean. Yes, it does, exactly. This is what this book posits. We are going with it. So crabs are a liquid. I got it. <laughs> yes. Uh, he feels like they Crab can't facts. possibly exist. <laughs> like, this is, like, too much of a thing to actually be real. But she, Pat, reminds him that there are wonders under the sea that are unexplored, and there very well could be ginormous crabs. How would you ever know? <laughs> <laughs> there are more things on heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. <laughs> exactly. Cliff Davenport. <laughs> <laughs> Does she say, I thought he said that to her. No, she says it to him. Okay, yeah. To the scientist. <laughs> so oh. she ends up saying she's got nothing better to do. You know, she's trying to re- kind of restart her life. That's just because it's sort of like a, a trip oh, because for her a woman once start. scorned is worthless. <laughs> and she'll help him look and investigate. And she believes that there could be giant crabs. Why not? Let's go. <laughs> Does she have nothing else? Like, I, could, I don't work. I have no money. I'll just help you look for crabs. I did. I doesn't specifically stay, say. I kind of just assumed she was like relatively wealthy, and she was taking a two week holiday to reset and move on from her her ex who cheated or whatever he did. Well, happy hunting. Yeah. Well, apparently it's true love, so it worked out well for her. You know what? I should try that. I got to do more <laughs> crab based dates. <laughs> Seems like a bad idea. <laughs> but I it mean, works if, out we, for if Pat we did a double, Club. Danielle, you could bring your crab facts. It'd be great. Well, I could. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great on a first date. Would you like to hear a crab fact? <laughs> crab fact. got the whole thing like, welcome to Danielle's Crab Fact Corner. First crab fact of the day, crabs are liquid and are affected by the tides. <laughs> this has been Danielle's Crab Fact Corner. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it should be a segment. You should just make every time. All right. Every time someone asks you for a crab fact, just make up something wild. <laughs> just make up something <laughs> That's good. Okay, that's what we're doing. We're doing it from now on. That's it. Did you know that crabs are the only animal on Earth that feels hatred, just like humans? <laughs> we could do Crab it as facts. like a mini break in our <laughs> in our podcast, like a halfway point. <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> anyway, the next morning over breakfast, <laughs> he sees a headline on a paper stating that more bathers are missing. And so this, this is where I want to tell you, I started keeping a grand total of deaths in this book. Well, that's only smart. Yes. At some point, I lose count. But <laughs> starting here. <laughs> that's not good news for these people. <laughs> starting here, there is a total of, I believe, five that have gone missing in recent weeks, okay. including the two that he knows, his nephew and the girlfriend. Does this ever reach triple digits, Danielle? Yes. Wow. 
Wow, <laughs> those are some amazing crabs. <laughs> there is a, it's a very high body count by the end of this. It's kind of great. And uh, oh. yeah, but there's five missing now, and they assume that they're all just like poor swimmers, I guess. They got caught in riptides or whatever. Well, a lot of drownings this week. So he reads the headline and he goes, My God, Cliff exclaims, it's already begun. The crabs are attacking. Oh. <laughs> Uh, There's so sorry. many good good lines I, in this. <laughs> I should have said something, but my brain. Gosh, <laughs> clearly, I'm broken, Danielle. That line broke me. It just gets better. The lines in this, I wrote down so many lines because it's just like it's a, it's a, amazing. He takes it so seriously in the book, and it does have that like that tongue in cheek kind of vibe that a lot of pulp fiction has, but it is taking itself seriously as a book, and so the lines are just fantastic well quick question though what how is that his first conclusion the crabs are attacking <laughs> like surely none of these are actually drownings it's the crabs uh, more questions even if there were giant crabs that existed why would they be attacking people well we'll sort of get there you're gonna Great. see more of the crabs shortly sam well i'm assuming so because they got some work to do murdering but and their motivations we'll get into that Oh, sort I of. really hope they're sentient. <laughs> you're you're going to like it. It's a little jazzy. It's a little tremorsy. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I keep thinking of the um the old movie about the giant ants, Them. Mm -hmm. So if this is the result of, of nuclear experimentation, I will Close be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. <laughs> so they end up walking the beach and they discover more crab marks. Ah! Apparently, they're just everywhere. Yeah, and Cliff says, it's crabs, all right. <laughs> All right, that's a great line, line you were lying. <laughs> he finds a fragment of a shell, and he thinks there's at least a hundred of them based on all the markings. Again, I don't know how you distinguish between all the markings, but he counts them up. I feel like this is like how sand people walk in a straight line to hide their numbers. Like, how would you know if the crowds are walking formation or not? Cliff. That's the, that's the one thing they don't do this is like try and walk in. That would have been a really good thing that they should have done to like make the humans underestimate their numbers. <laughs> yeah. I thought these crabs were smart. Apparently there's dumb old crabs who only know how to murder people. So this is kind of where we get into Tremor's territory, where Pat asks some good questions and he seems to have the answers. And I'm like, what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> how is he a crab spurt all of a sudden? Uh, I still, it's, it's unclear, Sam. It's unclear. Okay. At this point, he's a botanist. Do you mean it's unclear at this point in the book or it's unclear throughout the entire book? It's kind of unclear throughout the entire book, but there is a point later where you go, oh, that's why he knew all the things. Okay, great. I'm just excited <laughs> for that there. moment, Danielle. I'm super excited for that It's not as exciting as it sounds. It's not even that much of a plot twist. It just made me laugh when it happened. You've already built up my head, Danielle. Anything less than the funniest twist ever is going to be a disappointment. Oh, I'm sorry. In advance. Right. Anyway, Pat asks why nobody has seen them, which, good question, Pat. Good, good question, question, Pat. <laughs> Do they burrow under the sand? Well, per Cliff, they apparently just appeared. That's why there's been a rash of deaths. And they only come out at night. And they're particularly prone towards coming out with the full boon. So they only come out during the brightest nights. And apparently people have eyes that don't work at night, so they couldn't possibly have seen them. Yeah, apparently nobody night beaches, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> okay, great. So he wants real proof. He doesn't just want, you know, some crab markings in the sand. It's still not taking pictures, by the way. Of course not. And <laughs> so they decide to come back that evening 
And on their way back to the inn, they pass a homeless man on the beach who's this local man, and he is deaf. He takes odd jobs throughout the town, and then he kind of passes by. They are not very nice about their description of this homeless person. The book uh, uh. Leans, leans heavily into that direction. Uh, just fair warning if anybody decides to read this book. Yeah, that sounds problematic. <laughs> I know, and that was, it was very 1976 when I read it. Wait. However, he's just a very minor character, but he is relevant, so I thought I would point out that he exists. And is not treated well. He's not treated well. No, the townsfolk don't seem to have any issue with him. It's more the two city people that seem to oh. be... A hoity-toity city him. folk. Yeah. So he passes by, they're walking back to the inn, and then they decide, apparently, suddenly, on the night of the full moon, after seeing a homeless man and crab markings, they're overcome with passion. <laughs> and they make out. <laughs> on the beach? On the beach. Yep. So there are murder crabs about. Let's make out. Yeah. Seemed like a good idea. And that evening, there are uh, crabs on the menu for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Danielle, I think this is when we're going to need another crab fact. Crab fact. Crab fact. Danielle's crab fact. Woo! <laughs> I don't remember what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> uh, it's Danielle's crab fact corner. <laughs> Danielle's crab fact corner. Crabs only exist in love triangles. <laughs> oh, that's a very Danielle crab fact. <laughs> and that was our crab fact of today. Yay, yay! <laughs> Uh, let's keep getting you keep changing it every time uh, keep me on my toes i can't remember what i did last time great all right so a lot of music crabs. in this episode that's canon now <laughs> so they, i'm ask a question i'm sorry Dave, i gotta ask a question about your crab fact what do you mean exist yeah. in love triangles <laughs> they just always do you know like some animals are mate for life like uh-huh. What penguins, certain penguins and so geese if or whatever. they're not in a love triangle, do they cease to exist? <laughs> uh, they just always, when they're mating, have to be in a love triangle. Got it. Okay. Thank you. That was very <laughs> important welcome. to clarify. <laughs> I'm not sure why, biologically, it just is a necessity. Uh, it makes sense to me. So that evening, they head back out, and this is one a really great, great line. They're walking along the beach, and Pat says, What a beautiful night. Pat remarked as they passed alongside the barbed wire fence which enclosed the War Department <laughs> property. If only we didn't have to worry about giant crabs. <laughs> <laughs> Is this guy some kind of genius? I love him. It's or this so guy good. mean the author. <laughs> like Kindle book had like it underlined like people had been <laughs> like it underlined it and quoted it under Kindle. Like, that's a solid line. I can see why it has so many marks on it. This uh, this man might be the best writer of our generation. (laughs) He was certainly prolific. Oh my gosh, I love it. (laughs) They find a good lookout spot and then decide that it's time for sexy times, because that's what you do when you're (laughs) looking for crabs. Well, I know there are giant murder crabs about (laughs) somehow, but, you know, I'm sure they'll leave us alone if we have sex. (laughs) Uh, luckily for them, they did. The crabs waited until they were done to potentially appear, and they, they hear noises, so they scramble up to the top of the overlook to see after their moment of passion. And it's actually the the deaf homeless man from earlier, and Uh-oh. he's collecting surf material, but unbeknownst to him, the crabs are shuffling in from the tide. <sighs> No! (laughs) Like a host of behemoths, the book says, rising up from the mighty deep, the giant crabs had arrived! Exclamation point. (laughs) 
I I want to imagine them being like heralded in by the, like the person who announces princesses at a ball. Like <laughs> now arriving, the Bayamis from the deep, the lords of crustaceans, the giant crabs have arrived. <laughs> That's exactly what's going on in this scene. <laughs> Excellent. Cliff counts at least 40 coming out of the tides, and he exclaims that their expressions are almost human, and they're actually as big as cows, Sam. <laughs> so, our crab spurts here. <laughs> Underestimated by, like, four sizes. <laughs> and, like, a thousand pounds or so. <laughs> So they're quite large, these crabs. Yeah. And all the crabs, once they exit the tide, they all pause and seem to be waiting for some kind of signal, which comes in the form of King Crab, as Cliff identifies it. Of course. (laughs) And this crab is 1.5 times the size of the other crabs. He's quite large. So Cliff is very good at eyeballing crab sizes. (laughs) Apparently. Let me ask you, Danielle. On the scale of reign of fire to evolution, how dumb is this crab species at surviving? Um, well, it never gets into their mating habits. I'd say okay. they're pretty good at survival. Excellent. Well, I'm glad we finally have a book that takes evolution and biology seriously. Yes. Not that it ever really gets into it. So that <laughs> helps. <laughs> Probably. The king crab seems to give them some kind of order because they move kind of in tandem. And Pat's really worried that they somehow have scented them, which so many questions about crabs at this point. Do they okay. scent, Sam? Do they? Can they smell? How do crabs... How does it work? <laughs> I mean, I know you can smell things under... I mean, I can't smell things underwater. Like, sharks can smell things underwater. But does that translate into the same thing? Like, if you took a shark out of the water, would it be able to smell as well in air? I don't know the answer to that. And I don't know if... Do crabs have noses? Well, uh, do you need a nose to smell? I don't know the answer to that question. We need another biologist. <laughs> we need some Something. I mean, uh, what's the word for a crustaceanologist? <laughs> <laughs> a marine biologist? Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's a botanist. That's according to this book. We need a marine biologist who specializes in crustaceans. Yes, to come tell us about how the olfactory senses of crabs work. Well, they're afraid they that any. apparently they can smell. So All right. they are crab experts. Perhaps they can. Well, they got to stand are- downwind. Special crabs, who knows? Sure. So Cliff notes that they seem to have a distinct military formation. <laughs> what is with Cliff? Why? <laughs> They're like amazing crabs. <laughs> and they come with like clicking noises or little clickers, or like pinchers going. Cliff is stellar. He knows military crab formations, apparently. Well, apparently it's like it's like human military formation, but in crabs. <laughs> How did they learn the classic Roman phalanx? So they spot the the homeless man. His name's Bartholomew, and they want to go after him, but he they they're too far away, and the crabs are coming up behind him pretty swiftly, and he's deaf, so they can't like yell at him to warn him. Ah. And unfortunately, the crabs do make it to Bartholomew, and he is torn to pieces very gorily. It takes like a page to tear him apart. <laughs> Ooh, poor Bartholomew. I know he didn't live very long. And then once so eaten, six is once the body they, count now. Six is the body count. And once they uh, eat him or tear him all apart, they descend back into the sea. That seems like a lot of work. For <laughs> one human guy that may or may not have been on the beach. <laughs> I just think it's an awful lot of work to form up your crab army, take him to the beach for some drills, and then just murder a guy and leave. Like, it just seems excessive. Okay, so Cliff has an idea. Okay, of course he does. Cliff does everything. Yeah. 
He thinks that basically they're kind of testing the area. They've developed this taste for human flesh with the swimmers, and now they're starting to come on land. And so this was like a trial run. We are delicious. Yeah. I'm sure we taste of chicken. Well, pork. Well, we taste of pork. I'm sure the crabs do not care. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> or maybe you do, because you are the expert on crab facts. I am. Crab facts. Crab Woo! facts. <laughs> Uh, apparently, a cliff also knows the Ministry of Defense. I don't know. He knows everybody, Sam. <laughs> he knows Lord who got it's him out a different, of... <laughs> it's a different guy. It's oh, like a completely okay. different... It's like a higher up person. Wow. And he calls that person Why the next morning. Why did you him when he was in that prison cell? I think he was trying to like hedge his bets. He didn't want to bother the same person twice. Uh-huh. So the guy that he calls the Minister of Defense, he is not 100% sure he believes him, but he also has a long history with him. So he's like, okay, well... I. You wouldn't lie to me. Hopefully you're not bananas. I'm going to go ahead and see if I can drum up some support for you. Hang on. That's very trusting Minister of Defense. I know. It was impressive. Like, how if somebody called you and you were like, giant cow-sized crabs killed this guy on the beach, she'd be like, mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> and like, Cliff, I know you just lost your nephew and everyone deals with grief in different ways, but we're here for you, Cliff. We love you. <laughs> so that Crap is- facts. Uh, <laughs> Crab facts that we love Cliff. That's a crab fact. <laughs> crab Crabs fact. love Cliff, t- Cliff too. Crabs love Cliff. <laughs> they have they little bumper, bumper stickers. stickers. Hey! <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> so they get a guy. He gets a guy named Colonel Good who comes uh, in to... Boo. Sa- <laughs> To supposedly help out. So Colonel Good uh, loves his whiskey, not convinced there's crabs. Two valid things. He stays one night, gets drunk, does not go out to see if the crabs come onto the beach, and like files his report and leaves. (laughs) Colonel Good, not living up to his name. Yes, and unfortunately, the newspaper headline the next morning shows that two more swimmers have died, bringing our total to eight. Oh no. I know. So we're getting there. You asked if they're double digits? It's coming, Sam. I it's said triple coming. digits. Uh, triple digits? You said double digits. I definitely said triple. Uh, are there triple digits? There could be. That's There's a lot of carnage aggressive. towards the end. Somewhere where I stopped counting. Okay. <laughs> I was laughing. I was so impressed. I'm like, triple digits. That's, that's some, it, that's could, some it could easily be triple I bet, like low triple digits, but quite possibly. Sure. I mean, any triple digits would be impressive for crabs. Consider, I don't think a crab has ever killed a, a single person, really. <laughs> you don't know that. I would be surprised if crab murders exceed single digits okay, in all of human fair. history. The book, however, uh, switches to a different viewpoint. That evening, there's a sentry at the compound, and he hears some kind of weird clicking noises. And, uh uh-oh, you know, it's crabs. It's crabs. (laughs) But he doesn't know that. It's crabs. (laughs) He thinks the cows uh, over on one of the pastures have gotten loose again. And not the cows, definitely giant crabs. And he pulls out his... Yes. Knock, knock. Who's there? Giant crabs. Giant crabs who? Giant crab facts. (laughs) (laughs) That's where people turn off the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Quite possibly. (laughs) He pulls out a gun. He's shooting at the crabs. It's not piercing their shell, and he runs out of ammo. Their cutting is too strong. Retreat. He'd retreat, but he's all by himself, and nobody has made it, even though he's managed to fire like an entire rounds clips. That's what I'm going Clips into the. the crab and it's not kind of secret military installation is oh gunfire (laughs) that's probably fine (laughs) i know like it gets through this whole thing the crabs are blocking his escape like they know (laughs) 
They know what? And his retreat is cut off. Okay. They flanked him. Got it. They did. And so he decides to stand his ground and he starts, you know, laughing and cursing at them. And then he's instantly hit in the skull by a crab leg and goes down dead. His head split open. Nine. Nine died. Nine. (laughs) So a searchlight finally appears due to all the noise and the gunners. Oh, okay. Glad they got on that. Real real (laughs) tip top shape there your people are in. Maybe we want some drills. Amazing, and the gunners start shooting at them, but it's completely useless. And five more die uh, on the beach. Five more army people. Yeah, five more army people die. So they're postulating that I'm, I'm assuming like machine gun fire can't penetrate these crab shells. That seems to be accurate thus far. Okay. Yeah, these are like magic crabs. I don't know, Sam. <laughs> like. It's see, uh, crab shells are hard, but you can crack them open with like yeah. a little cracker. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of bullets can penetrate armor. Like a fifty cal <laughs> bullet goes through a tank. <laughs> well, you're gonna get here shortly. Uh, we're gonna get into more of some of the stuff that they use on these crabs, and these crabs are basically invincible. <laughs> you know what I would do with them? And maybe this is me just playing backseat general. But flamethrower, cook some crabs. Uh, we'll get there, Sam. We'll get there. Unless they're impervious to heat, too. <laughs> we'll get there, Sam. We'll get yeah. there. <laughs> oh, no. A crab that can't be cooked. My worst nightmare. <laughs> they didn't try boiling them, to be fair. Got to boil the entire... That's what, that's what all our, our climate change is about. Daniel, got to boil the oceans to cook all the crabs. <laughs> yes, that's what... They're good. That's their master plan. We'll get there in like a page. That's what actually happens. Excellent. So five are dead. That's 14 just for people keeping running tally. And for reasons I don't understand, the king crab, they're like eating all the humans. And then the king crab like makes a little announcement like, do, 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 we're going back to sea. And everybody just drops their body parts and marches back into the sea. So they finally left their remains behind when they were doing such a good job of covering up the evidence earlier. Yes. I guess. Said these crabs are smart, Danielle. I mean, it's a little late now. Like 30 people have seen these giant crabs, so it's not like they're secret anymore. I thought they murdered them all on the beach. Well, there's like more in the background, like behind the compound and stuff. So there are a bunch of like soldiers cowering, watching giant crabs eat their friends. Well, I think they did as much as they could, but then the crabs turned and like left before they could do more. Okay, sure. I don't no know, medals Sam. are being given up for that. <laughs> So Sergeant Hughes shows up on site and asks what what they were, what happened, and the serviceman answers, crabs, bloody great crabs, as big as horses. Wait, I thought Sergeant Hughes was with the police. Sergeant Hughes, I did say he was with the police, but I think the book might have said that. Maybe he, <laughs> maybe he's just working in conjunction with all of this. So they tapped the army sergeant, the secret base, to investigate uh, missing persons. I don't know if he's... A sergeant in the army or a sergeant in the... I don't know how all this works or if the Welsh do something different than we do, Sam. I didn't think that hard about it, to be honest. Maybe he's just locally called because he's the police sergeant. Okay, sure. Why not? So the Ministry of Defense guy apologizes for not taking it more seriously. And now, obviously, the government is super on board with this giant crap fiasco. And this is where Cliff's involvement ends because he's no longer needed. <laughs> you would think so. <laughs> However, we're basically to the part of Jaws where they like don't know what to do with the beaches, but there's barely any conversation of it. They're like, well, it's unfortunate that it's tourist season and there's a ton of people. And if we have more attacks like this, we're going to be in trouble. But they don't actually tell anybody or shut down the beaches. (laughs) I mean, 
they have confirmation of the existence of giant murder crabs. And their first thought isn't, what? We have to tell everybody and shut this down. Like, shark is one thing. Sharks exist. Like, we know sharks exist. And that they sometimes attack people. And it's rare, though. Yeah, they right? don't we come have on a- land. They're not land sharks. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, except for that one land shark. <laughs> That's not the point. If you had a conference, you're like, oh, there's a new species of giant coordinated murder crabs. That's not like a close the beaches type debate. That's a, do we tell the United Nations and (laughs) figure out how to handle the giant sentient crab problem? No. The answer to that is no. It's literally, it seems to be, it seems to be localized. It's a very short conversation and it seems to be localized this area. Like they're not, they don't call in anybody from outside sources. I swear. There's been international incident when we find out. That the the British government (laughs) kept the existence of giant organized murder crabs from the rest of the world until it was too late. I don't disagree. It's insane. They like they don't do anything with this information other than like, okay, like how do we kill them? (laughs) I I just put a sign. You know, danger, murder crabs, done. (laughs) At least say you warned them. They start to kind of discuss about, like, where did these crabs come from? You know, they hazard a guess that their origin is underwater nuclear experiments in another part of the world, which suggests uh, that somehow the, maybe the crabs came from the other part of the world, or are there also crabs there? I don't know. <laughs> so this is like when the U.S. was doing all those experiments on tropical islands, like detonating nukes on the, on the Bikini Islands, I think. Sure, sounds legitimate. And they were like... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Giant murder mutant crabs formed because of that, and they decided to come to whales. Yep, yep. Apparently, this is the only group of murder crabs, and they all decided that whales is where we want to go to murder. This is where whales, is, uh, for whatever reason, is the place. And he, Cliff, has managed to narrow it down to, like, a general area based on where the attacks have been happening as to where they probably are staying. You mean in the ocean? He's like, I've mapped the ocean, and I found the murder crabs. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty large area, but it's, like, somewhere along this coastline area is probably where the crabs are hiding. Oh, I come from the coastline cliff. Oh, you think? (laughs) So the minister wonders if maybe they won't attack again because the welcome, quote unquote, at the military compound was so forceful. Oh yeah, that it certainly seemed to deter them and, and do so much <laughs> That's damage. What Cliff says. He's like, uh, not one crab died. And King Crab, he says, is cunning. He thinks the bathers were easy prey. The military installation was a test. <laughs> And the next invasion will be on a bigger scale and in one of the towns. These are basically crabs with plans. Crabs with plans? That's what he says? No, but that's what's in my notes in all capital letters. (laughs) Crabs with plans. Coming to Broadway. This was just their test. Like the military installation. They're like, "Mm, we're going to hit the military installation. This is is like Starship Troopers where they have like the brain bug. Or Jaws where it like follows them to the Bahamas. (laughs) That's a good point. At least it's just like one weird shark as opposed to a whole race of them. I mean, they can even start organizing other sharks. Like, I'm making all my shark buddies together and and lead them in a crusade. Although, I would have watched that movie. Are you kidding me? I was just like, isn't that like Jaws 5 or 6 or something? (laughs) Maybe. I haven't haven't seen that far, Danielle. (laughs) So they're like convinced they're going to hit a town. And somehow, even though they have no idea where these crabs are going to hit, they have decided they're going to be ready with tanks, grenades, etc. They'll be waiting for them. And Cliff is like, I don't know. Those guns and stuff didn't work. I think they might be invincible. What? (laughs) Cliff is at once amazingly always right and also says the dumbest stuff. Which <laughs> I know, it's pretty says impressive. a lot about the book the dumbest stuff is always right. Because my first thought isn't, well, we shot them a few times and they didn't die. 
they must be immune to tanks. <laughs> like, all of the weaponry we have as humans will not work against these crabs. <laughs> Humans are pretty trash in a lot of ways, but if there's one thing we're really good at, it's making terrible, terrible weapons that are very good at killing things. But not crabs, Sam. Not these crabs. Not these crabs, Danielle. Not these crabs. <laughs> not today. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> So, yeah, moving on in this story, <laughs> a couple of things happen that are super not important, like Cliff and Pat have more sexy times, and then this guy on a boat named Sam Owen uh, dies. Crabs, he's caught, they catch him in his net. He's a fisherman. He catches some crabs in his net, and then they kill him. And that's 15 people dead. Okay, good. <laughs> he was not important. It was just a random killing in the book for two pages. Well, you gotta keep up the body count. As we approach the end of this montage of useless scenes, Danielle... Yes. I think it's time for another Danielle's Crab Fact Corner. Crab Fact Corner. <laughs> brought to you by Danielle. Woo! <laughs> and butter. <laughs> and clarified butter. <laughs> <laughs> this must be our weirdest episode yet. <laughs> um, crab Fact. Uh, crabs only eat fruit salad, and but the only thing they will eat out of the fruit salad because they're super picky is pineapples because of the digestive enzymes in them. It helps them to digest their uh, humans. humans. <laughs> so they only eat fruit salads, but only to help them digest the humans they also eat. Yes, preferably pineapple. Got it. All right. Well, thank you. This has been Danielle's Crab Fat Corner. Mm, clarified better. <laughs> we gotta get on the same page for how this is gonna work. <laughs> I don't know, kind of like the slapdash, slipshod quality of our crop packs. Well, you know what? I, I can't argue what works. <laughs> okay. That morning, 1.25 a.m., the crabs launched an attack, Sam. But they somehow the military is ready. When we were asleep, they knew our one weakness, sleeping. <laughs> uh, the military is ready. They apparently guessed the city correctly, the town. The tanks begin shooting the crabs. And they do actually manage to break open one of the shells. But to the gutter's surprise, the crab survives and he's helped up by his fellow crab friends and they soldier on. So there's a crab where they crack open his shell. But he's kind of like, walk it off, buddy. Yes. And for whatever reason, they still are invincible. And it feels like if you cracked open their shell, couldn't you just shoot through the shell? It's open Into now. Into the gooey, gooey goodness within? <laughs> yeah, you would think so. But yet, the crabs don't die. <laughs> That's like, an exoskeleton is a skeleton. Like, you crack that open, you're exposing their internal organs to, you know. Yeah, we've all eaten crabs. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> But somehow, nope, that's not good enough. And the crabs advance and start to overwhelm the tanks. So they lock themselves inside and the crabs lift it up and pass it along. They like crowd surf the tank <laughs> <laughs> um, over to the edge of the harbor and then they throw it into the harbor. Oh, they've killed the tank people. All three of them now that uh, we're at 18. <laughs> Again, not to be a backseat general here, but fire, napalm. I mean, if it was good enough to kill the aliens in, in evolution, the napalm should cook some crabs. So they haven't tried napalm, but the next is the next scene is this big huge fight between the military and the crabs, and there's lots of people dying and grenades and automatic rifles, and the crabs just manage to crawl through all this, and they start doing like fire, and it's they just literally just walk through the fire. They're apparently what are these crabs yes. made of. I don't know, but they're apparently impervious to fire, Sam. Napalm, I don't know, but I mean, definitely at, fire. At this point, I believe that they are impervious to just about everything. How will our <laughs> no. heroes ever solve this really intractable problem? I don't know. We'll find out in uh, not too long. 
I sincerely hope their answer is a diplomatic solution. We must negotiate with King Crab. <laughs> that would be great. Perhaps in the sequel. <laughs> oh, is there a sequel? We'll get into that, Sam. Oh. <laughs> you tease. So- the crabs are reaching the edges of the town. They're approaching them. Citizens are fleeing. It's mass chaos. But at 3.30 a.m., I guess for funsies, King Crab calls on his crab mates to go back, and they all retreat for We're reasons winning. unknown. We're winning! Retreat! <laughs> retreat! Retreat! <laughs> Maybe King Crab hasn't really grasped the nuances of military command quite yet. Cliff has a idea about this shortly. We'll get there. <laughs> Cliff has an idea about everything. <laughs> Yes, that's Cliff. The next day, a town military meeting is called, and they have Cliff speak at it. Because Cliff is apparently a noted marine biologist. What? <laughs> I don't know, Sam. What? <laughs> the book calls him a marine biologist. I realized he was a botanist like 10 pages ago. <laughs> what? Do they call him a marine biologist for the rest of the book, or do they just go back yes. to him a botanist? Nope, he's a marine biologist for the rest of the book. You know what I think happened? This is a day before you had, like, control F in Word. <laughs> I think so, he changed it, like, halfway through, and he either just didn't care enough to go back and, like, edit his document, or, like, what did I call I must have called marine biologist before. I would never call him anything different. That would be dumb. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna assume it's fine. That's 100% what happened, because he probably started as a botanist, and then I was like, why does he know so much about sea life? <laughs> I like to think that, like, whatever his name is, the author, took a break. Like, like at this point in the book, like, I've just written the big climactic crab fight scene. There's a little bit of a goal here. I see a little break, a little vacation, he comes back, he's like, Cliff, he was a marine biologist, right? Because that's what makes sense. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what I wrote. <laughs> yeah, I just went with it. I don't want to look back on my typed pages. Or, even better, he did it like, I call him a botanist. That's too much work to change now. <laughs> I have to retype this whole thing. Screw that. But apparently he's a marine biologist, he's a noted marine biologist, and he is apparently now the local expert on king crab, which, you know, to be fair, he does know the most. (laughs) But he might know as much as everybody else. Does a marine biologist also include, like, a marine biology psychologist? Because he seems to be inside that crab's head. (laughs) He does. He has some, like, really strong opinions about how these crabs think. (laughs) That are amazingly correct. I know. They decide that they want to locate the underwater cave. They're convinced they're living in some kind of cave system underwater. It's a cave. Obviously, it's a cave. And they want to nuke it from space. Or, you know, just nuke it, but nuke it from space. <laughs> what? I mean... They want to nuke it. They want to use some kind of nuclear weapon on these crabs. <laughs> it just seems like a terrible idea, especially this close to, I don't know, civilization. <laughs> that's, that's, well, how else will you kill them, apparently? Uh, uh, gosh, that's a good question, Danielle, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Cliff's on board, and he is in charge of finding the caves as our noted marine biologist slash expert on king crab. I guess sonar doesn't exist in this world. I guess not. <laughs> Pat decides to come along for funsies. She refuses to stay behind. Oh, yeah. I'll just bring my, I didn't want to say girlfriend, but... Uh, oh, their girlfriend, boyfriend. They're definitely, like, together, together. Okay, okay. Well, the last thing I knew, they were having sex on a lighthouse overlook thing. Yeah, their relationship's moving very quickly. Okay. Anyway, maybe bring the male biologist. I, I still think that's BS, but maybe. But just like, oh, yeah, you get a plus one, too. Yes. And, the, well, I guess if you're the local expert and marine biologist on site, you can demand whatever you want. Like the famous celebrities who only drink certain kinds of water or want cantaloupe. <laughs> Danielle, please, have you been reviewing my writer? <laughs> Do you even like cantaloupe? <laughs> it's fine. It's not the <laughs> best fruit. Like we, I think it's a great fruit. I know it's your favorite fruit because, you know, you like things that are mostly tasteless, but... <laughs> you just don't have good cantaloupe, clearly. 
<laughs> I have the same cantaloupe you've had access to. <laughs> No, if you've never, if you've only had tasteless cantaloupe, then we're not eating the same cantaloupe. Yeah, it's possibly true, Danielle. Possibly true. Why are we talking about cantaloupe when there are giant crabs in caves and maybe nukes? I don't know because Pat's really concerned that they might be in more than one cave system. But no, Cliff says because king crab is basically like their Borg leader, and so if they're together, like king crab has to be in charge of them, so they're all grouped together. Like they can't be in other. It's places another hive mind. Why basic- is everything a hive mind? It's just like rain of fire. They kill the big male dragon. Everything dies immediately. Yeah, there's no like, it's not like they never say specifically that it's hive mind, but like they obviously very strongly follow King Crab's orders. Also, if it was a hive mind, you think King Crab would be like, I'm going to separate my troops a little bit so not all my crab eggs are in one basket. Nope, they're all in one basket, theoretically. I just love how confident Cliff is. Like, this feels like the very height of, of white male privilege in the sense of like, <laughs> Being supremely confident in your knowledge of something that no one has any real idea about. Like, this is like a Dunning-Kruger effect kind of thing. Yes, he is. He never seems to waver in his belief that he's correct when he states things. Amazing. This entirely new species of mutant invincible crab, but I know their behavior. I've seen this before, somehow. At some point. All right, Cliff. So, they start the dives. They're not, like I said earlier, they're not 100% sure exactly where they're looking, but they have a stretch of coastline where they think that it might be. And so he's diving down there. Apparently only he's diving. You don't get a whole team out there. You just get one person. One person named Cliff, who is not a professional (laughs) diver. He is a botanist slash marine biologist. Well, maybe he has his, I'm assuming he has diving certifications. Yeah, I'm sure he does too, Danielle. But I'm also sure that maybe Navy SEALs or whatever the British equivalent of are probably better divers. A group of people would probably be better because then you would have multiple people looking for something that's like hard to find. Yes. (laughs) So he's looking for crab markings. And this goes on for a couple Wait, of days. Underwater crab markings? Yeah, he's hoping that he'll see, like, on cave... He's checking all the caves along the, okay. the coastline. Like, they'll just wash away or something? Well, what he's are talking they about, like, the they're, ones like, that carving are... their initials into it and they're, like, <laughs> yeah. a little hurt, like they do with trees? Yeah, he's looking to see if they have, like, scratch marks and stuff on the... I don't know how it works, Sam. Do Maybe crabs in real life do this, too. Okay. I mean, <laughs> again, my knowledge of crabs is next to nothing, but I have these sneaking suspicions about the same level as Cliff's. I'm I'm not saying I didn't question this in the book, but I also was just like, sure, crab markings on caves. Why not? <laughs> okay, fine. Maybe they have to sharpen their claws, Sam. It's like those those famous French cave paintings. <laughs> exactly, but with crab claws. Yeah. So this goes on for several days, and he does find a cave system. When he's exploring it, he ends up accidentally kicking a shell, and he realizes that it's one of the parts of the crab shells from the giant crabs. So they molted it. Got it. And he finds a ledge, and he douses his flashlight, and he realizes as he's like creeping up. He comes along this edge and he looks down and they're all slumbering below. How does he see them if he's in a cave and underwater? That was before he turned off his flashlight. Oh. He turned off his flashlight so he wouldn't wake them, I guess? Yeah. When he sees them, he comes up upon them and then he's like, oh gosh, sleeping crabs. And he turns off his flashlight. So now he's in the dark. He's afraid that they noticed him, but they appear to to not have. They're still sleeping. But as he tries to leave back through the entrance that he came in, a giant crab swims in and narrowly misses him along the wall. And so he waits it out because he can't see, so he's unsure where it is in the dark. So he's hoping it's swimming past him somewhere, but he's not not 100% sure he doesn't want to try the exit. So he's stuck down there with limited air. Oh no, Cliff. If only you had a team of people to help. Uh, Luckily, up in the boat, they are very concerned, but... 
they have no idea where he is, and he has 20 minutes of airtime left. And so they've sent another diver Wait. after him. So their whole plan was to send Cliff out with no way of tracking him. Yes. So that if anything happened to him, they'd be like, no, nope, Cliff's yes. dead. Never find the crabs. Yep. That's it. Great plan, guys. <laughs> And another plan is to send Stan Williams, is his name. They're sending him after... Uh, oh, he's dead. <laughs> they're sending him after Cliff to find him. So he jumps from the boat. He goes through. He does find the cave somehow. He finds the same cave. And he and distracts like, that looks the like... crab long to be murdered so Cliff can escape. Uh, essentially, he gets chased by one of the crabs. His leg is caught. I believe his leg and is amputated. He makes it to the boat. They, he swims up. He, he's ahead of the crab. He makes it to the boat. They pull him up on the boat. He tells him about the cave, what he found, that he think Cliff was inside, and then promptly dies. A man must be sacrificed to save Cliff. Yes, poor Stan. Didn't know you. Three pages. Uh, 19th death. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky number 19. <laughs> Our 50th death will get a free plate of crab legs. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Cliff finally manages to to get out of the the cave. He chances it. He makes it out. The crab is not in the entryway so anyway. So was completely useless. Uh, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad he's dead. But he does tell them that there is a giant cave down there, and that he thinks Cliff is dead. Well, prior to I dying. mean, Cliff is about to tell him himself that there's a giant cliff down there, and I'm not dead. Yes. Well, unfortunately for him, he swims up and he pops up near the cliffside, and he's going to swim back out to the boat because he's just needed to get to air as soon as possible. And when he goes to look for the boat, it's gone. They that's did a, not that's wait a real for him. <laughs> That's really rough on Pat, right? Right. And also, like, at one point they say 20 minutes more of airtime, so we're assuming they gave him less than 20 minutes because he made it up to breathe. Yeah. You're like, no, I'm going to trust good old Stan. He's never lied to us before. <laughs> they didn't even wait, like, 25 minutes or 30 <laughs> just to see. I'm so glad he brought Pat along so she could have another <laughs> tragic loss in her love life. <laughs> That. So he does make it back to shore and he walks to town in his wetsuit to meet with the crew. And he's obviously like super upset that they left him. And he, they're just shocked, shocked that he's alive. Like, but Stan said that you're probably dead. And we were all <laughs> celebrating, but then he, you showed up. And Cliff tells him, he's like, okay, whatever, you know, stupid. Is there any plot reason all of these shenanigans had to happen? No. Okay. But they found the, they found the cave. Yeah. So Cliff I, I, no, but like, it feels like we just took like a really like roundabout route to get to the uh, him telling them he found the cave. Oh, yeah. There's no reason. It was just like to drum up a little bit of drama. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just checking. Cliff basically is like, okay, listen, the way this cave system's laid out, you are not going to need a nuke. You just need a detonator to explode the entry of the tunnel and it'll block them in and they'll never be able to escape from it. So his genius plan is to seal the crabs in an underground cave and assume there's no other exit and that these invincible super crabs can't burrow their way out or find some other means of egress. Yes, as my notes say, I hope he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That seems like a questionable thing to leave with a botanist marine biologist. <laughs> Apparently, he's also an underground caveologist or underwater caveologist. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I guess that's his minor, <laughs> along with botany. <laughs> Double yeah. major botany, marine biology, and a minor in caveology. <laughs> yeah, I have mapped this entire cave system in the 20 minutes or so I was stuck in the dark. I know every entrance and exit. Yes, I, it's, it's a kind of a wild idea. He's like, let's mark the entrance, it'll be fine. <laughs> I know it's just giant crabs. Cliff, you you cocky son of a gun. <laughs> and everybody seems like logical. They do, to be fair, which you find out a little bit later, is they pull out maps and like look at what they know of the land survey. So they're sure, assuming that he's but correct. 
Do the land servers be like, oh yeah, let's go into every underground cave and map them all out? No. So you they supposedly did due diligence, quote unquote. Yeah, okay, I believe it. Clearly everyone in this movie is super responsible. <laughs> so that's the plan, the new plan. And he meets up with Pat again, who thought he was dead, and they have a tearful reunion and hug and kiss and uh etc. Etc. <laughs> And then next day, they end up sending him in, and Pat's very reluctant for him to go. But he's like, listen, this is the last thing I have to do. I just have to go down there and set the detonator and come back up, like, half an hour. It's, it's going to be great. Is he an explosive effort? Is he an explosives <laughs> expert now, too? No, but apparently he knows enough about cave systems to know exactly where it should be placed. You think also an explosive e- expert would be yeah, able to, say, to figure it? that out. <laughs> explosives expert. Yeah, 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 it's hard. You think that for such an important job, you'd want some redundancy? Like, maybe if he gets stuck in a dark cave again, there could be someone else there to help out. Or an well, explosive expert who could, you know, make sure the bomb is set correctly. To give them credit, uh, he goes, he sets it. Obviously, they don't know when it goes off, but they do send divers down after the fact to make sure the job's been completed. So, How do they not know when it goes off? It'll explode. Uh, no sound underwater? I don't know, Sam. They just said they can't hear it underwater. Maybe it's very deep. That's not how water works you would get a shockwave through the water i don't disagree but according to them they don't know until they go and look i mean the whole concept of depth charges would not exist <laughs> <laughs> maybe in 1976 it was different sam oh i'm sorry yes the oceans were vastly different the physics <laughs> of the oceans were different in 1976 78 76 <laughs> what seven what it, it might matter. make me difference i don't know maybe the okay. oceans changed drastically right. between 76 and 78 you know what the problem with this plan is though danielle what? Is always established in your very first crab fact. Crabs are in fact a liquid that's affected by the tide. So all they're going to do is find any tiny little crack and just liquid their way out of there. That's true. And they'll get pulled out by the moon. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, Cliff, Bummer. your plan is, uh, is, is dead on arrival, man. Well, he hasn't thought that far yet. And according to them, crabs are over and dealt with the end of the story. That's it. Plan. That's the book? <laughs> uh, no, but yes. Wait, no, but yes? <laughs> no, it's not the end of the story. It should be, theoretically. The crabs are dead. Or well, at least not confined. Dead. They're like eating each other in the cave system. So that night, Pat and Cliff take a walk, and they're enjoying their final days at the now crab-free beach. And they see some wild bunnies that seem unafraid of them, and they're enjoying them. And then suddenly, all the wild bunnies scatter, and they look it's up It's King to Crab, see- looking for a one-on-one showdown with Cliff. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> 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 they look to the skies, wondering if there's like a hawk or something, and he sees a movement, and he wonders if it's maybe like a loose sheep or a pony because everything has to be compared to these animals yes it's a pony on the beach but as it moves into the light it's a crab sam is it king crab uh not yet it's just a big crab and then dozens more come out and then the king crab arrives yeah his pet was dumb from the start Yes, clearly they found an exit. So they can't do anything about that, obviously. They head back into town and they end up calling the minister to let him know. Hey, you know that plan that I super spearheaded and was all my idea? It was dumb. <laughs> and it's funny because nobody blames him. Nobody questions that decision. Everybody's like, oh, how could you have possibly known? We did the research. We did. We looked at the maps. It should have worked. And I was like, but... How did you not know there was an exit to that cave? Lots of cave systems have exits. <laughs> right. His assumption that we will have one entrance, job done, is perhaps the most egregious act of negligence <laughs> I've ever heard of. It's 
pretty bad. <laughs> they didn't even, like, post a guard on the beach to look out for more crabs just in case. <laughs> nope, they didn't. I mean, I don't know what they would have done. Nuked him from space, I guess. Well, I mean, at least you would know. Well, they did, they found out. They were okay. the uh, guards. Yeah, I'm sorry. Cliff's the hero. My mistake. <laughs> So the next night, they go out trying to figure out exactly where they're stemming from, basically. And he obviously suggests, oh, there may have been an exit to the tunnel system that we didn't realize exists, which is then verified. They find an area where the crabs manage to, like, dig through the silt and come out. Oh, surprise. Crabs can dig. I know. It's just amazing. How We never saw this coming. We thought the crabs were done with, but they came back, Sam. They came back. Uh, no one saw this coming except for everyone reading the book. <laughs> So there's a new military guy on board. His name is Colonel Matthews. He was disappointed Colonel Dave previously. Matthews, got it. <laughs> yeah. He was disappointed previously in the lack of a nuke, and he's excited by his chance to shine. This and sounds he's- very Doctor Strange love. <laughs> He's convinced that it wasn't the weapons that didn't work on the crabs, but basically the placement and use and the people using the weapons that were the problem. Like You don't shoot they, them in the shell, you shoot them in the eye stalks. <laughs> if they'd just been better, they would have been fine. There's no way these crabs are immune to automatic rifles and grenades. To be fair, that is the most reasonable thought. <laughs> it is, but also, I mean, there's like, what, 50 plus people now that have seen them completely be unperturbed by all of that. Fair. So, uh, after this, oddly, a week passes with no crab activity. And crab no back- crab, No crab-tivity. No crab-tivity. Crab back. Cliff oh, is convinced. Oh, Danielle's crab back corner. Yay. Woo! Cliff is convinced, again, this is a new, not a new crab fact, that the reason why they're not coming out is because of the moon tides. <laughs> so, it, it's a Danielle's crab back corner redux. <laughs> do, do, do. They're coming, Sam. The crabs are coming. We're in the 80s now. <laughs> they're, they're coming at some point, any time now that the moon's so going to be full again. So his thought is, uh, the crabs can't pull themselves out of the ocean. The moon's too strong for them. Uh, no. <laughs> that they use the light. Like, something about the cra- like the moon and the light, and that's when they come out. It tends to be the week, like the week of the full moon. Haven't crabs heard of, I don't know, the day? <laughs> I don't know, Sam. I don't know how nocturnal crabs are. That was one of that was what I wanted to look up to see if the moon has anything to do with their habits. Are they more active during moon cycles? I desperately hope someone writes in <laughs> and tells us. Please about let us know. The, like, are they diurnal? Are they nocturnal? Are they just crabs? Who knows? <laughs> just crabs. <laughs> just crabs, man. They're just awake whenever and they sleep whenever. It's like time is a construct that's used to shackle you by the man. Crabs yeah. are the freest of us all. <laughs> the next couple scenes are one of the, like, there's several different scenes that happen. It's a slow week. Pat and Cliff are talking about getting married because they've known Whoa, each other okay. in three weeks now. <laughs> I mean, you fight a bunch of giant crabs with someone, you know they're the one. You know, it's basically speed, you know, relationships built under pressure. Yeah, those never, those <laughs> never have problems later on. <laughs> And then there's a scene where these crabs attack suddenly. People die in a car. Like the crabs come on land and like take over the car and kill the people in the car. And then they are kill they a bunch driving? Of- are they driving crabs? They're not driving crabs, but they're just uh, like they go towards the guy drives into them. He's like, "I'm not going to stop for you. I'll show you." And he drives straight into them, and all the crabs I love that take guy. over. <laughs> He's a real hero. He is what everything Cliff should be. <laughs> And then there's a boat where the crabs, like, overwhelm the boat. And this is where I stopped counting because there was just, like, a lot of people dying. Was it, like, a cruise ship boat? 
No, it was like a small boat, but quite a few people were on it. No. I don't remember if it was like a fishing boat or what it was. The attacks are happening near the estuary. And so they narrow down. They realize that that's where the crabs have been hiding out after their cave was It's collapsed. always the estuary. Cliff, you should have known that. I know. And so that evening, a fog rolls in and Cliff comments, <laughs> okay. that's what King Crab was waiting for. He's the most cunning enemy the world has ever met. And he doesn't intend to confine himself to the Welsh coastline alone. I'd stake my bank balance on that. Well, Cliff, good thing you're a broke, raving lunatic. <laughs> I like the idea that King Crab's sitting there like, ooh, a fog has rolled in. I've been waiting for this. Well, we all know it's never, it's never foggy in Britain. <laughs> I just, that he's like aware of weather patterns. Yes, I can see above the ocean. Fog. I know my enemies. They are going to be vulnerable now. And then, want to take over whales from there, the world. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what's going on in King Crab's mind, as far as I can tell. It's like peeking in the brain. I mean, I gotta say, I kind of want to know a lot more about King Crab. Like, he's, well, he's my hero. <laughs> that's good for you, as you'll find out shortly. Oh, yay. Cliff reflects that the raids are these, like, commando-style raids. He's been, ref- like, kind of thinking about how all of this has played out. And they spend, they seem to spend this limited amount of time out of the water like ordinary crabs uh, do. Apparently, when ordinary crabs can't survive out of the water more than 12 hours. Crab Danielle, fact. Danielle. Yeah, I was going to say, you've got to <laughs> preface your crab facts. You got to prepare us. <laughs> Sorry, I thought of it while I was talking. Crab fact <laughs> quarter. Uh, retroactive crab fact. <laughs> He thinks that it might be even less for these crabs because they've been kind of shorter time frames on land. Yes, the larger animal has a smaller lung capacity. <laughs> so he's looking for their Achilles heel. And they apparently have decided not to nuke them from space. I guess that was I mean, deserted. That's probably a good plan. <laughs> So that day or that evening, they're doing their search and rescue. They're trying to find the dead from the boat accident. And the sea starts to foam and churn. And suddenly hundreds of crabs pour from the sea. In the and fog. there's like an attack. So it cuts to black. So And that, I don't know if it's the next day or the same day or like meanwhile, you know, kind of thing. There is this little lull in the book where Cliff is reading a newspaper. And he sees, he and Pat see an article about weed killer poisoning a child. It's a weed killer called Parquat? Parquat, perhaps? Sure. P-A-R-A-Q-U-A-T. Kumquat, got it. Got it. Parquat. And it's supposedly deadly to all forms of life, and it soaks in through your pores and kills you that way. Okay, so magic poison that kills... Okay, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Two things. Yes. Maybe three. Uh, Or more. We'll we'll figure them out as they come. (laughs) Why is a toxin that is apparently toxic to everything on Earth being sold commercially? I don't know the answer to that. That seems like something to be like, oh, this weed killer, just put it in a bottle spray, but be careful, get it on your body, it's going to soak it through your skin and murder you. <laughs> like, that's not a product that's going to get released. That's like, you don't you put- You didn't have biohazard suit on when you use this weed killer. Yeah, yeah here, here's a bottle of cyanide. Just spray that on your weeds, it'll be fine. <laughs> Even that probably wouldn't kill weeds. That's the point. The point is, that's a dumb product that should not exist. Two, do crabs have pores? I don't know. I also wondered that. I didn't write it down, but I was like, huh. (laughs) Three, I was thinking about poisoning them earlier. Like, my thought was, and this is grim, was to, like, have people eat... mercury or poison like and so when the crabs eat them they'll die all that thing oh how do you bait a crab 
<laughs> but I didn't want to say that because it sounded too grim. Yeah, I wonder if they'd eat. Like, they didn't seem to graduate from, like, cow. It's not like anybody was like, no, hundreds of cows are missing or something. They seem to go straight for the humans. Right. So I think you'd have to, like, I don't know, get some cadavers or whatever. Okay. They're too them smart with- for that, Sam. Okay, okay, great, okay. But also, there are lots of poisons out there, or like, you know, gas, weapons, things like that. There are, but apparently they're going with this one. They'll be going with this magic, clearly super dangerous commercial weed killer. It sounds like it might be. I mean, they have gave it a name, and I don't know. I'm, I'm actually kind of curious if it's a real poison. If like, this ever was a real poison. product, man, I, mean, I know they put like radiation water because they thought it was healthy for you back in the day, and they have like lead t- lime tin cans and stuff, but it really was a more dangerous time. It was. 1976. Rough. Rough going. All right. Well, crabs. we'll need a uh, a toxicologist to tell if this is a real <laughs> chemical or not that, that it was used to murder crabs. Well, apparently in this book it is. And he rings up the minister with his idea and they're going to call a farm supply store and get it stat over to the beach line where the crabs are attacking. So, so they're going to try to gas the crab without gassing the town. Uh, they're going to spray them with weed killer. Okay. Uh, whatever. <laughs> that won't have a detrimental effect on the environment. <laughs> The crabs are attacking. Colonel Matthews is being useless because he's trying all the things they already tried that didn't work. And then he eventually like turns his team around and hightails it out of there. So the the crabs seem to be winning this round. And the farm supply store is on its way trying to make it to to this giant fight. But they finally do. They load up a, I believe it's a chopper, and they get it up in the air and begin spraying the weed poison all over. They're like low level flying, like 10 feet above them. I don't think the the qualifier weed poison necessarily because clearly it's just poison okay well they're spraying the poison all over their bodies it kills everything apparently well hopefully they're not getting it on the humans and they're doing like i said really low level flying so i think they're trying to be as close to the crabs as possible and not yeah, yeah. i'm sure the humans I, I know that pesticides never migrate through the environment yeah. so it'll be fine hopefully there's no wind <laughs> like- or you know a water source nearby that might spread it around. <laughs> no, this book does not get into any of that, Sam. It just assumes that somehow whatever it touches is fine. <laughs> Great. And the, they attack the king primarily, but they're trying to get all the crabs, obviously, and they all start to get, like, really angry, and they're clearly, like, suffering and lethargic, and the king crab clicks his little Pinchers, claws. <laughs> His claws. He clips his claws in the air and calls on a retreat, and they all very lethargically drag themselves back into the sea, defeated. And the book says, is the most bizarre retreat in the history of warfare. Shambling, clicking crabs, the helicopter keeping pace with them, barely 10 feet above them, spraying with Paraquat weed killer the whole time. <laughs> I can't argue with that statement. It does sound like the weirdest retreat ever. <laughs> Great. And then King Crab raises his claw in a gesture of defiance. <laughs> so he flips the bird. Got it. <laughs> Love it. King Crab's a freaking hero. Yeah, I want to I want to read this book again, but written from King Crab's perspective. Like I want to hear his story. Well, Sam, they never find the bodies of the crabs. They think there's an elephant graveyard somewhere in the sea. And all of Chris's assumptions have worked out so well thus far. <laughs> yes, that's a logical conclusion and not that they survived. And the book ends with Pat and Cliff who are planning their wedding and they ride off into the sunset. Now, Let's have a wedding on the sea. You were curious about King Crab. Intensely curious. Okay, how many sequels do you think this book has? Seven. You think there's seven sequels? I so don't eight, know. Eight total? 
Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, you're off by one. There oh! are seven total, so six sequels. Dang it. <laughs> Written between 1976 and 2012. And there are they several- They kept going? <laughs> there are several graphic novels and short stories. <laughs> How I never hear about the giant murder crab? Like, this is a huge media property. Sam, I have a little bit of a quiz for you, if you will uh, humor me. <laughs> I, I would love to be quizzed. Give me what you think might be one of the names of one of these sequels. Uh, the Crab Strike at Dawn. No, but that is a, it would totally fit into this. <laughs> Okay, that okay, would okay, throw wait. off their whole, like, night moon phenomena. All right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, night of the Crab Invasion. You know, close, close. <laughs> Give me another Claws one. Give me death. one more. Claws of death. <laughs> no. The, the harbinger clicking. <laughs> no, they're not that creative, Sam. This is called Night of the Crabs. Keep that in mind. <laughs> oh, no, I, I was channeling that. I didn't realize. I forgot what was called Night of the Crabs. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, the Crab Strike Back? Uh... Sort of. There is one called Killer Crabs The Return. <laughs> okay. Revenge of the Killer Crabs, sure. Would you like to know the titles of these? Oh, six yes, sequels? absolutely, Danielle. Clearly, okay. I am not no good at this. <laughs> and you did great. Some of yours were better. <laughs> book two is called Killer Crabs. The third Wait, book. That's not book one? <laughs> the first book is Night of the Crabs. <laughs> oh, okay. God, this is so different. All right, cool. <laughs> Killer Crabs, part two. The uh, third book, The Origin of the Crabs. Okay, that's the one I want to read. I should to that one. <laughs> I personally want to read book four, which is Crabs on the Rampage. You know what, Danielle? That's a, that's a powerful argument. That's uh, what I, I, want to, I imagine these are like cowboy crabs, and they're all like so. riding through the Wild West, like, yeah, on the Rampage. <laughs> Click, click, the, click, click, click. The fifth book is called Crab's Moon. Not as exciting. Wait, no. It depends. <laughs> is that the verb moon? I don't know. Actually, that makes it better. Let's pretend it is. Yeah, I want to see some crabs mooning people. Like, they stopped killing us, but they are mooning us. It's very rude. <laughs> Sixth book I also want to read is called Crab's Colon, The Human Sacrifice. <laughs> If there isn't one that crabs go to Disneyland, I don't want to read it. And the last, as mentioned, was Killer Crabs, The Return. Okay. Oh. oh, that's pretty good. It was really, really good. Those are really good. What about the graphic novels? I gotta figure out what those are. I want to see the artwork for those. I bet the artwork's actually pretty I imagine great. it's spectacular. Yeah. So that is the Night of the Crabs, Sam. It certainly is. I did not... Well, I mean, I expected giant crabs. I did not expect <laughs> the omniscience of Cliff and his... <laughs> complete lack of caring about his dead nephew uh, as soon as he met the very attractive pat oh yeah he's clearly sad for the first like 20 pages and then he's like pat woo crabs <laughs> he just accepts that they're dead very early on i know he's the hero but cliff is like the worst kind of person he is like so confident every one of his plans is going to work and they never do because <laughs> clearly <laughs> well his poison plant didn't work, or it'll be a, a, a six additional books. I know, it makes you wonder, like, clearly something happened. Clearly, Cliff is incompetent, and he is the true villain, <laughs> King Crab for life. I wonder if he's in the future books, like, there's a fight against Cliff and the crabs. I want to see, like, a, a Star Trek Kirk versus the Gorn between Cliff and King Crab. <laughs> Just fighting, and smacking each other. It'd be great. Sounds like a winner. Oh my gosh. We really need some help on this episode. We're way out of our depth here. <laughs> First off, crab tracks. 
Are they a thing? If so, I want to see some. Please help a guy out. Please. We really do want to see what crab tracks look like. Really, really do. And if you're Welsh and this is a common thing to know, we would also really appreciate that knowledge. We are very ignorant about Welsh culture, which is, you know, that's on us. But you can help, uh, I don't know, educate two ignorant Americans by telling us all about your crab experiences in Wales. Yeah. That's something you learn in school. <laughs> is that part of your class or science class is crab track identification? Is that like I know that we have here, you know, things like, you know, how, how do I get away from a bear? <laughs> <laughs> you know, make yourself big, climb a tree. Like, they're just sort of common knowledge things. Yes, perhaps they have crab, yeah. how to get away from sheep-sized crabs. I have, I'm curious, is there a common zeitgeist of crab facts in Wales? <laughs> <laughs> and if so, please let us know. <laughs> Speaking of crab facts, before we go, Daniel, I think you'd owe our listeners one more visit to Danielle's Crab Fact Corner. Okay, Crab Fact Corner with Danielle. It's the last one. <laughs> it's the last one. Uh, crabs are really into crafting. Oh, and they're crafting? Crafting? Crab- I'm trying to make it work. It doesn't work. <laughs> crab 15. <laughs> Crafting and things like that, and their favorite things to do besides knitting are knitting, huh? really get the dexterity for that with their claws. Do they? <laughs> they do one in each little claw. I was surprised they didn't do needlepoint. <laughs> their favorite activity is uh, silly putty. They like to oh. make it, you know, put it on stuff and like see the images come back, like you shells newspaper and, and newspapers, like that. and yeah, yeah. that's how they keep track of stuff under the sea from the human world. That's how they know so much. Well, that's how they know there was fog. Got yes. it. Yes, they got a weather report on their silly putty. <laughs> Well, that works. That's a crap fact. <laughs> I'm so glad we took this one last trip to Danielle's crap fact corner. <laughs> it's full of facts about crabs that aren't facts. <laughs> facts about crabs that aren't facts. <laughs> uh, that sums it up. It does. That's perfect. That's our tagline. Cut if you have it. any crap facts you want to share, you can tweet them to us at Book Retorts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> or you can reach us at bookretorts.com. Until next time, I'm really craving some crabs. <laughs> Clarified butter. Mm. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Take care, everybody. I didn't know Silly Putty was a form of crafting. <laughs> it was debatable. I just wasn't sure what category to put it into. I was like, how do I work Silly Putty into it? I don't know why it came to mind. I like that you, like, I know what my craft fact is going to be. It's going to be about Silly Putty. I'm going to figure out how to make this work. Because <laughs> I was afraid you were going to ask me for more. And I was like, what do I, like, I'm not good at that. <laughs> you knew I was going to. You knew I was going to. <laughs> I was like looking around the room. I was like, and there was a like weird little crafty thing. I was like, crafts, Silly Putty. <laughs> I don't know why I thought Silly Putty. <laughs>